Welcome to It Starts at Birth, a podcast dedicated to empowering women through thoughtful conversations about birth and all the decisions that come along with that. My name is Faith Flat, and joining me on the podcast today is my husband, Mark, and we're really excited about what we have to share today. On our last few podcasts, we were covering questions to ask your OBGYN, and we really appreciate everybody who took the time to listen to those, and we have some new subjects that we're going to cover today. Our topic of conversation today is ending the stigma of speaking out, and this is really a three-part conversation that takes a quick look at how most births are done in the United States, where they take place, and then discusses why there is a stigma against women who have an opposing view and where that comes from. And then last, but certainly not least, takes a look at some of the data from around the world that supports the decision of women who choose an alternate route and speak out. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We're really excited to get into the topic, so let's get right into it. Well, first, let's talk about the status quo of where women give birth in the United States. This will not in any way be a shocker to anyone listening, but from the reports that I found um, in 2017, about 98% of women gave birth in hospitals and just about 2% gave birth at home or in a birthing center. So to put that in perspective, out of close to 4 million births, only about 62,000 in the United States take place outside of the hospital. So clearly when there's uh, such a disproportionate number, there's going to be a lot of um, expectations. And we want to take a look at the worldwide figures and come to a bit of a conclusion about, you know, why the United States is like that and what we can learn from looking at some other countries where they have a different approach. And with that higher number um, of hospital births being so far and above the outside of the hospital births, there comes a lot of expectations culturally. You are typically kind of expected by your family and friends most of the time to give birth at a hospital. And if you choose for any reason not to, Uh, It's very um, much a conversation point, and it can incite a lot of fear inside of family and friends and create kind of an effect of everyone feeling a little bit unsure about whether or not this is okay. And the reason for that most likely comes down to the fact, first of all, that it's just the norm and it's the status quo. But there are a lot of reasons that women choose to step outside of the hospital birthing scenario um, and to try something different. A couple of those reasons include uh, just being interested in home birth and liking the way something like that sounds as opposed to a hospital birth. And another reason also um, comes down to the fact that there are some traumatic situations that happen in hospitals, as I've shared on um, 
the last few episodes some of my experiences that were just not really what I wanted, not really the type of route that I would have chosen for myself, and I kind of felt out of control. So there's a variety of reasons more than that even that women choose to either speak out against what's going on in hospital births and ask and demand for something different if they're going to choose to continue to have hospital births or to choose a different route altogether so that they feel more in control and more empowered. However, the problem is that when women choose to A, either get very vocal about something that went wrong at their hospital birth and to say, Things aren't the way they should be, um, or else to get vocal about having found an alternative that they're really happy about. What tends to happen is pressure comes around um, not only from friends and family, but also from our culture. There are instant labels and stigmas placed on those who choose to either speak out or to choose an alternative method of birth and then become vocal about it. And that's really what I want to address on today's podcast is just ending the stigma of speaking out. Just because the majority is doing something one way, it certainly doesn't mean that that's the best way. And there is a lot of data from around the world to support this. And that's really why we started this podcast. To us, this is about being in control of your birthing experience through conversations that empower you through um, increasing your knowledge base and understanding what are some of the possibility, some of the possible things that you can encounter, and um, helping you develop a plan that reflects your values. Because um, the pressure obviously comes from somewhere when women choose to speak out or to choose a different route altogether, I want to address some of those pressure points and where they seem to come from. And the first and um, most deeply rooted, I believe, comes from white coat pressure. Uh, We are a country that really values our medical care providers' opinions very highly, um, especially in the medical industry specifically. Their um, opinion is very high ranking for those of us in the United States as far as how we develop our opinions. And one particular problem with taking too much of your opinion creation from the medical industry is that they're only trained in one style of birth. They are trained in what they are trained to do. And they aren't really educated in home birth like or midwife-led birth like OBGYNs around the world might be and are. So when they have an opinion that states, whether you're just in the office talking to them and saying, I was considering a home birth, what would your thoughts be? Or when they write reports or when the medical, those in the medical field um, make comments in the media When they make comments about the safety of home birth over a hospital birth, they're really speaking outside of their field of knowledge. They know their numbers. They know the data on birthing in a hospital. But a lot of times they're not trained and really it doesn't seem like they're really ever trained to speak 
knowledgeably and with data about the safety of home birth. And so I think that's one thing that needs to be just taken with a grain of salt when a medical professional has a statement about a birth outside of the hospital in the U.S. specifically, they don't have a lot of data to work off of because our country has very limited data. But there's great data from around the world that I'm about to share that shows that it's actually a great option for women. And one of the reasons this is so critical is because the United States is really one of the few countries, if not the only country, that um, the death rate during birth is actually on the rise. So if we can take a look at some other countries around the world and come with come up with some conclusions about what they're doing right, then we actually have a chance to look at that number and maybe see it go down. But as long as we think that there's only one way and that way is the best, even in spite of the evidence that it potentially isn't, then that's where we're going to be, you know, there's going to be unnecessary um, negative things that, that go with, along with that. And the ultimate negative thing is an unnecessary death through unnecessary intervention. And so our goal is to draw out some of that conversation. And I understand that this is going to be somewhat controversial, and that's fine. Our goal is simply to empower people through conversations. And if you can't take data from around the world and study that, um, then there's going to be um, some drawbacks. I remember, um, let's see, it was about two years ago now, I was at a wedding um, for my aunt, and I met, um, let's see, her future brother-in-law, and he told me that he was from Australia, and that when you're in Australia, um, most of the time, the news there is about 15 minutes of Australian news and about 30 minutes from around the world. And when you go to England, it's about 20 minutes um, from England and about um, 25 minutes from around the world. But when you're in the United States, the entire time the news is going, it's all about the United States. And that's what, you know, I think is kind of indicative of what happens here. Um, there's a certain attitude that the only data that we should look at is data from this country. And in doing that, then that's where the number of 98% of births being in the hospital can actually be limiting. And that's why, in a lot of ways, the ostracization um, that takes place for women who choose to take control over their birthing um, process and work with um, the tried and true and the proven techniques of midwifery, um, it can be kind of treated as if it's um, some sort of voodoo science that um, has no place in the United States. Well, the fact is, in most countries or most developed countries that we're going to especially highlight, um, midwifery is something that works hand-in-hand with the hospitals and the doctors. And it wasn't that long ago where there was actually more of that taking place in the United States. But now it seems as if um, if you're a midwife and you do um, work with a hospital, then they they expect you to be quiet and be silent and stand back and let the doctors be in charge. But that's not how it is around the world. It's not how it is around the world, Mark, you're right. And it's not how it is in countries that have a better maternal, 
maternal maternity ratio or MMR like you are referring to um, than the United States does. And just to give you the numbers on that, I'm sure you heard reports over the last year or so as the most recent study um, and updated report on maternal maternity ratios came out and how really everyone in the media was horrified because the number has gone up. And of wealthy nations in the world, we are one of the few that has um, a rising MMR inside of our prenatal care system. And so that's something that's really concerning and also that indicates that maybe the way we have things set up needs um, women and mothers and families to stand up and say, hey, this isn't good enough and we are going to demand something better. We're going to find something better and we're going to be vocal until you start making changes that um, improves the situation for us. And so the current MMR um, inside of the U.S. is 17 deaths of mothers per 100,000 births. And one of the really shocking things about that is that in 1987, that number was just seven deaths out of 100,000 births. So our numbers are going up quite extremely. And one of the things that the World Health Organization reports is that in high-income countries, it's about it's usually about 11 out of 100,000 births. So the fact that the U.S. has 17 deaths of mothers out of 100,000 births is very concerning. But here's the number that's really gut-punching and incredibly unacceptable is that for black women, that number rises to 41 deaths per 100,000. So we have an incredible problem in this country and, you know, giving a stigma to those who are actively and bravely looking for an alternative and trying to talk to their friends and family about it, it it's really not okay. And one other thing I wanted to address as far as where that kind of pressure comes from, um, because I think most of the time when it's friends and family, it kind of comes from fear and just concern because of what's been ingrained in us by the medical industry here in the United States about what's acceptable and what's not, and also just what we're used to. But there are other forms of this pressure coming, and it's something that our culture really needs to address to end this silencing and this stigma placement on those who speak out against what's going on. Um, and the media really really plays a big part in this. If you do Google searches on the safety of birth outside of hospitals, you're going to be confronted with a lot of information and a lot of um, statements that are strong that really don't have well-rounded data behind them. Maybe they take a segment of data, but they don't look at that MMR in relationship to how the MMR in other t countries that don't necessarily funnel everyone through the hospital are actually much better. So when you take a look at what magazines and books put out there, maybe you know, yes, they're getting a little bit more positive sometimes in their statements about home birth, just because they know women are beginning to gravitate. Um, there is an increased number of women choosing outside of the hospital births, but they end all the time by stating the risks and saying we really don't know if this is a safe 
choice. You know, that's on the positive side, too. There are a lot of articles and reports out there that make really harsh and extreme statements about how unsafe birth outside of the hospital is. And those are just really incredibly not true when you look at all the information. Um, But also in the media, too, it's not just about what is reported and put in articles, um, but also even what comes to my mind is a Gilmore Girls episode I saw recently where those who choose birth with a midwife are kind of labeled as being... um, weird or hippie or just kind of like supernaturalist, like they're trying to prove something that they're very like, I don't know, more natural, more strong than a woman who has to go to a hospital to have a a birth. And that's just not the case. But in the Gilmore Girls episode, I saw, you know, it's Luke's sister uh, who decides to birth with a midwife and with a doula. And she's so um, kind of mocked by everybody in the town. But she's kind of considered not as smart as everyone else. So it goes over her head. And I think that that kind of being written into the script really struck me the wrong way, even though I love that show. Hopefully you've seen that if you're having to listen to me ramble on about Gilmore Girls. But that type of thinking about women who choose a home birth is actually pretty common and something that we need to stop perpetuating in this country because it should actually be something that uh, whether you choose a hospital birth or you choose a home birth or whatever type of birth is right for you, we should embrace all women and their choices and not put a stigma and just an idea behind them and recognize that These are intelligent choices by women who just want a safe, happy, healthy outcome for themselves and their babies. And that's why we say that we're all about empowerment through conversations is because in the end, when society can ostracize people for asking questions and for seeking out the answers to things like this, then it puts them in a spot where they're forced to just go along with the status quo. And the very first question we should ask is, is the status quo the right thing? How long has it been the status quo? And what did things look like before? And that's how we can come to a conclusion, and potentially by looking at the rest of the world, about whether or not that's the right thing, and whether or not that potentially has a part to play in some of these numbers like our rising maternal mortality rate. And when you think about factors such as minorities being at higher risk, that can also have a big part to it. Um, Why is that? And what can we do about it? And if you're not asking those questions, then there's something wrong. We need to be asking those questions. It shouldn't just be like, oh, wow, we found this out, and now there's nothing we can do about it. There's a lot we can do about it. And I, I know that there are certain states in the United States that have pretty much outlawed or completely outlawed midwifery and made midwives criminals. And This is a part of the problem. This has happened in a lot of places where there are high concentrations of minorities. And this is a big part of the problem. And so our goal is just to draw this out through conversations and hopefully empower you to have the type of birth that you feel like having. Um, I know with Faith, she, she has a number of family members and their attitude toward her choices are kind of like, well, we'll just see what happens. Well... I understand that, but once you understand some of these numbers, then really it should be flipped over. 
Like anybody who's going to the hospital, it's more likely that you should say, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. You know, in the end, um, making a choice for yourself that's the right choice and that is a proven choice should not be ostracized and should not be um, treated as if you're crazy. And that's just simply what's been going on. And our goal is to simply draw that conversation out and continue to talk about it for as long as people are willing to listen. Well, absolutely. The question might need to be flipped when you consider the MMR in the United States, um, especially when you consider these statements by the World Health Organization. One of the things that they have on their website right now is that they state that midwifery is associated with reduced maternal and neonatal morbidity and also reduced interventions in labor as well. Another thing that the World Health Organization says is that there were no adverse outcomes associated with midwife-led care but significant benefits. Thus, it is recommended that all women should be offered midwife-led continuity models of care. That's a pretty strong statement, and one of the things that I've really been struck by as I've done research here in my third pregnancy is that the nations with the best outcomes for women in birth always stress midwife-led care. And that it is not that just that midwifery should be an option, but that midwives should actually be the leaders in care for women and one of their first options. And that they should be embraced by the culture and the society to give women the best outcomes. That surprised me based on the fears I was raised with about home birth, based on the way our culture has treated me in discussing home birth. And I know that there are a lot of other mothers and women who have had questions and concerns and felt that type of stigma placed on them. And so for that reason, we're having this podcast today. One other statement that the World Health Organization has up on their website that I think is powerful is that midwives have the potential to provide excellent quality of care, but sociocultural, economic, and professional barriers must be overcome to allow them to practice to their full potential. And that's where we do, at some point, have to start addressing the things that Mark was referencing. That in some states, midwifery is all but illegal. And they put harsh limitations in many states on what midwives are able to accomplish. And when we look at the data from around the world, and we're hit with the fact that women aren't getting the best outcomes because they don't have midwife-led care, and then we realize that in certain states, the laws are set up so that women have less choice in where they give birth, that really concerns me about the rights of women in this country. And that's why we call it It Starts With Birth, because this is about having the ability to make the choices that you want and come up with a plan that you want and being able to execute that plan. And when those choices are limited for whatever reason, you know, it's incumbent upon us to ask questions about why. And when you see that it's an intentional process that's being put forth through laws, through psychological manipulation, and through things like that, well, we need to draw that conversation out. 
and we do not believe in any way that there is one good way. But we do believe that the best way is to have multiple options available to everybody without um, psychological manipulation limiting what people are um, able to choose for themselves. And when you see the, the maternal mortality, um, mortality rate, um, that is really something that, you know, we need to look at and continue to look at. And, you know, we're going to continue to cite sources and share the information where we got it. Um, you can take a look in the, um, in the description. We're going to provide you links to the studies and the, um, the pages that we, that we look at um, that we've mentioned in this episode. And going forward, we're going to give you more information about um, different places where women are limited um, in their choices. And you may not live in one of those states, and it may not feel like it applies to you. But where there is oppression um, anywhere, then everybody is oppressed. And they may not be coming for your rights right now in your state, but it doesn't mean they won't. And if we don't fight those battles for people who are suffering now, soon it'll be hard to ask for people to step up and help you when you're fighting for your own choices. So our goal is to continue to empower people to make the choices that are right for them. And that's it. You know, it's there's information from around the world. And unfortunately, we have to go and look at other countries because the way that everything is set up here in the United States tilts everything toward one way. And then, like Faye says, you're ostracized if you choose to make the choice that's right for you. And that is wrong. And we need to talk about it. We do need to talk about it. And we also need to talk about where things are being done in a way that has better outcomes for women. And according to the Global Health Workforce Alliance, um, in several countries, such as the UK and Australia, midwives represent the main providers of care for women during pregnancy, labor, and birth. And I want to give you their MMR rates just so that there's a clear correlation between what it can mean to have midwife-led care um, and that really concerning MMR rate that we have here in the United States. In Australia, the MMR is 5 out of every 100,000 births as opposed to our 17 here in the United States out of every 100,000. And that statistic there, 5 out of 100,000, is from the Australian Institute of Health. And then in the United Kingdom, which also has midwife-led care, um, it is, the number is down to 7 out of 100,000 births. So the MMR rate automatically is something that we know gets better when there is midwife-led care, when you compare those numbers with what's going on here in the United States. Another statement that I wanted to share, too, that the Global Health Workforce Alliance um, shares on the topic of midwifery-led care is this. Um, They state that when midwives were the main providers of care during pregnancy, women were less likely to give birth prematurely or lose their babies before 24 weeks of gestation. Women were reported to be happier with the care they received, had fewer epidurals, fewer assisted births, and fewer episiotomies or surgical incisions to reduce the risk of a tear. Those things are all really important. If you've had those things done to you, you know that it can be a great benefit to be able to avoid those in your birthing situation. 
And one of the professors who was an author of this study made this statement. She said the perception is that in order to get the highest quality of care, women must be cared for by a senior clinician, and that is simply not the case. Midwives provide a sense of normality, and by having a midwife, they know during pregnancy it allows the mother to feel comfortable and at ease during labor, which in turn is much better for the baby. Policymakers in areas of the world where health systems do not provide midwife-led care should consider the importance of midwives in improving maternity care and how financing of midwife-led services can be reviewed to support this. Now, all of this information I'm sharing not because I think that everyone should choose a midwife. I'm sharing this information because those who speak out in favor of considering or choosing a midwife are often treated as if they are crazy and are, or, or at least treated like they're abnormal and odd for thinking what they think and even that they're putting their self, themselves and their child in danger. When you hear all of this information from around the world, it certainly makes you rethink and then wonder why in our country we're putting pressure on women who are probably actually right and being very vocal for something in a minority um, that could make a big difference in the long run for what could be really great for our daughters. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts With At Birth. Um, this is going to be a continued conversation that we have daily. Our goal is to um, share information such, like that we have already this episode um, that applies to women who are making these choices. Um, in our, first, our last three episodes, we had questions to ask your, um, your OBGYN. And coming up, we're going to have questions to ask your midwife. So this is all about empowering women to have the conversations so they can come up with a birth plan. And if you're in my shoes where you're an advocate or a significant other for um, your wife or whoever's going through that process, that you understand that person's plan and you can help them through that when um, all the pressure is coming and the baby's on its way. And when those types of things can be determined in advance, it gives you a better chance to have the birthing process that you choose. And that's what we're all about here at It Starts at Birth. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, Ending the Stigma of Speaking Out. We're so happy that you decided to take the time to listen today. Join us tomorrow for a fresh podcast.